Welcome back to our series, uh, Looking Unto Jesus. If you're wondering where we got the title, uh, well, you need to understand it. It didn't come from my mind. It came from a wonderful book written many, many years ago by a man by the name of Isaac Ambrose. And I would really recommend every Christian, but especially the ministers of Christ, to read that book. Now, the way I did it was I put it on my nightstand. And every night before I went to bed, I would read Isaac Ambrose. And it greatly, greatly helped me. Not only does it teach you about the doctrine of the gospel and the doctrine of Christ, but also um, it begins to, to work with your disposition so that you begin to realize there is nothing greater in the scriptures than Christ and his gospel. Now, today we're going to look at 17th century Puritan John Owen, and um, he is undoubtedly one of the greatest theologians of church history. His uh, works are 16 volumes, and uh, they're large volumes, and they're worth the time to read. His commentary on the book of Hebrews is seven volumes. And um, if you're preaching through the book of Hebrews, I could heartily recommend that uh, you buy that series. Now, I've already said that Owen was one of the greatest theologians uh, that the church has ever known. And when you read him, you'll, you'll discover that quickly. And yet recognizing the infinite greatness of the gospel and the limitations of even his own mind and his own heart, he wrote the following statement, and I'm going to read it to you. He says, it has been my professed intent and stated purpose, almost my one and only purpose in this work, to set forward the theology of Christ. This is not just the teaching of the gospel, but the disposition of mind which alone can embrace it. And that goal has been ever present before my eyes from the start of this volume. I personally do not claim to, to have attained to any great peak in the study of heavenly wisdom or to be able to do more than stammer pitifully when I come to discuss or teach of such high matters. Here we are on ground where at best we can hope to see in part here is subject matter which the entire breath of human intellect could never grasp. That is, until we cease to see through a glass darkly and come to know even as we are known as we enjoy God without limit. He's referring to 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. There is little need of our denying our deep ignorance and shame of sloth when the same apostle in the epistle admits that if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. Well, let's pray, and then we'll look at some of the things that Owen sets forth in this discourse. Father, when we read of, of such a gifted man, humbling himself before you and before men. Simply because of the greatness of the gospel. We can also see, Lord, how superficial and proud that we are 
we know so little of thee. And our hearts are often so dull. Through your Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts. So that we will desire thee above all things, so that we would love your son. So that we would be devoted to him. Father, I pray especially for your ministers. Oh, that something of the. The deep burning passion. Of Owen. And men like him would would also be shared with us, Lord, that it would be ours. That we would set aside, Lord, all the silliness of modern day ministry. And give ourselves to study and prayer. And more prayer. Oh, Father, use Owen's words. To exalt your son. To convict your people. To correct them. And to show them, Lord, that there is more light than they will ever be able to see. More beauty than they will ever be able to. Enclose in their heart. Oh, dear God, make your people, especially your ministers, Lord. Passionate for Christ. In Jesus name. Amen. Now. This is taken from Owen's uh, single work, Biblical Theology, uh, which is apart from his other works. It's a rather large volume. And um, a few years ago, I read through it and it was. It was just amazing, astounding to see. um, Just how how far some men have gone in the scriptures searching out Christ. Yes, he had a great intellect and yes, he had great preparation and study in the universities, but but none of that is what what stands out to me when I read him. It is a man who sees that everything like the Apostle Paul sees that everything in comparison to Christ is just dung. It's rubbish. And, and there are men, brothers, especially those of you who are in the ministry, realize this. You may not do it. I may not do it, but realize this. There have been men who have walked this planet, who have devoted themselves totally to knowing Christ and making Christ known. And everything that's wrong in the world today can be traced back. To us simply not pursuing the same goal. We don't need to be little men with big ministries. We need to be men who seek after Christ. Everything else is rot. Everything else is rot. Now, let's look at Owen. He's talking about in the writing of this this large volume, Biblical Theology, he says, it has been my professed intent and stated purpose, almost my one and only purpose in this work to set forth the theology of Christ. Now, I find this 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 phrase, the theology of Christ to be marvelous, wonderful. What is theology? Well, theos, God, logos, a discourse, a word, 
So theology is a, a discourse or a word about God. But look what he says, the theology of Christ. That the greatest discourse, revelation, word given with regard to the person of God is his son, is Jesus Christ. The revelation of, of the Father, the revelation of, of God is in Christ. And so if you want to know God, if you want to know God, then, then realize this, everything in Scripture is pointing forward to or back towards the person of Jesus Christ because there God is fully known and especially in his gospel. And that's where you need to take your people if you're a minister. Take them always to Christ, always to Christ. Make much of Christ. Enough with all your little trinkets that you preach about. All your little silly principles and 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 strategies to get a better life. Take all it and throw it in the dumpster and point the people to Jesus. Make much of who Christ is, but not just a part of him, just not just the part of him that kind of um, agrees with modern day humanity. Make known all of Christ. Most importantly, that which is most scandalous to the carnal man. Take them to Christ because they can only know God in Christ and his gospel. And look what he says, Owen, here. Now, really, when you read Owen, you realize you are in the, the presence of an intellectual genius who could have done absolutely anything with his mind. He could have become a physician. He could have become a statesman. He could have become a secular philosopher. But look what he says. It has been my professed intent and stated purpose, almost my one and only purpose to set forward the theology of Christ. Now, I don't have his mind. I don't have his gifting, and I certainly do not have his education. But this simpleton that you're seeing through a camera lens, I can follow him in one thing. I can make it my professed intent and stated purpose, my one and only purpose in life to set forward the theology of Christ. All of us can do that. We won't be judged because we do not possess the intellect of Owen, but we will be judged if we do not make the most of Christ with the gifts that have been given to us. He goes on. This is not just the teaching of the gospel, but the disposition of mind which alone can embrace it. What does he mean? What do they see in you when you talk about the gospel? When you talk about Christ? What do they see? Especially in the pulpit, do they see a man who is caught a glimpse of Christ and whose entire being, entire disposition has been conformed to that. I want to tell you something. They won't see it. If you get in the pulpit with all your trinkets, with all your five steps to a better life, they, they won't see it in all your jokes. They'll see it in a man who loves Christ 
who has seen his beauty and cast away everything else, not in a legalistic manner, but simply because he's consumed by what he has seen of Christ. So it's not just the intellect. It's not just studying through even a good theology or a good Christology. It's not just a a parrot can learn to say the things that are written in the finest books. But it's you alone with God, you alone with Christ, you in the word of God, you studying the gospel, making the gospel your primary study of life. And then your disposition is changed. So that you think any time in the pulpit that is not centered upon God's word, that is not centered upon Christ is a waste. Is a waste. Having said that, I can tell you there is much time wasted. Many words wasted, much energy wasted in the time of God's people wasted as they listen. To lesser things. Lesser things. So Owen goes on, this is not just the teaching of the gospel, but the disposition of mind, which alone can embrace it. See, you you have to you have to teach your people. Let me give you an example. I was born, raised on, we raised cattle and quarter horses and hunted and we were a rough bunch. Didn't grow up knowing anything about art or music or anything. And I remember in college taking an art appreciation class and I wondered why I had to take this thing. And it's because my palate was not refined. I couldn't see beauty. I couldn't understand it. My mind had not been cultivated so that I could look at things and appreciate the beauty of it in the same way. After a person is born again, they they enter into a journey, but the journey is not complete at the beginning. They begin to understand that Christ is beautiful, but that needs to be cultivated in them. Preaching needs to be something like an an art appreciation class or better said, a Christ appreciation class. The more you set Christ before your people, the more their disposition will be changed so that they don't want any other food. They don't want anything but Christ. And if you try to give them something else, they'll reject it. So it's creating a disposition. It's it's a Christ appreciation that they have to learn. And as you begin to set forth like the eternal plan of redemption, set forth the covenants, you set forth all the things that God has done in eternity and in history, bringing it all to that one point of Christ on Calvary, teaching them what he has done, who he is and and what he is going to do, who he is going to be for us. Their palates changed. So that the worldly things, hopefully you're always fighting. You'll not have to fight so much. Because they will become enamored with Christ. This is not just the teaching of the gospel, Owen says, but the disposition of mind which alone can embrace it. And that goal has been ever present before my eyes. From the start of this volume. Now, I love what he says, my one and only purpose. And then he says, this goal has been before my eyes at the beginning of this volume, since the beginning of this volume. Now, here's what I want. I want to borrow something from Dwight L. Moody. He said, don't give me a man who's good at many things. Give me a man who's good at one thing. And to that one thing, he devotes himself. Minister, do you see the application? 
we devote ourselves to making Christ known. When you begin to prepare your sermon. What should be before your eyes? What should be your professed intent and stated purpose? Your one and only goal that is to give God's people a greater portion of Christ. And if you desire to give them something else. Then I would suggest you find another line of work. The bane of a nation is not its politicians. It's his pastors. Let's go on. Now, in, in all the devotion of Owen, now he turns around and he says this, I personally do not claim to have attained any great peak in the study of heavenly wisdom. I have. There are so many men that pass through three years of seminary training. And they think they're prepared for the ministry. Many of them have gone to horrible seminaries and they're prepared for nothing but contaminating the church. But even those who have gone to solid, biblical, God-fearing seminaries, they're not prepared for the work. A seminary can never prepare you for the work. Do you know what a seminary does? A seminary gives you the tools, if it's a good one, the tools of the languages, of church history, of hermeneutics. Gives you the tools you need so that you can spend the rest of your life preparing. And so he's not saying even Owen is saying I've achieved nothing. But Apostle Paul said the same. He said not that I've obtained it, but I press on. I press on. You and I as ministers need to press on into a greater and greater knowledge because we're not seeking that knowledge merely for ourselves and our own devotion, but we're seeking it for God's people. Do you see? We should press on in conformity to Christ so that we can be a model to God's people so that we can demonstrate with our lives the transforming power of this Christ whom we are chasing. Then he says this. I personally do not claim to have attained to any great peak in the study of heavenly wisdom or to be able to do more than stammer pitifully when I come to discuss or teach of such high matters. Now, I've never heard Owen preach. There's no tape of him. But I've read his sermons. If he considers himself to be nothing more than a stammerer. Then I am. I am mute. I am far worse than a stamina. And this is what I want you to see. There's so much high ground to cover. You and I have been given a calling that is so tremendously important. It's such a privilege. But to whom much is given, much is required. And we are to exhaust ourselves, even though recognizing that, that what we know is so little. And our greatest eloquence is nothing more than than stammering. And yet we need to press on because the subject theme is so very, very important. I do not, he says, I personally do not claim to be able to do more than stammer pitifully when I come to discuss or teach of such high 
matters. Minister, let me ask you a question. Can you even recognize a high matter? I listen to so many sermons that have nothing to do with high matter. They're basement sermons. They're swamp sermons. They're sermons to entertain the superficial mind and keep that mind superficial. That is not our job. We are to give ourselves to preaching the highest matters. And those highest matters are always directly concerned with Christ. And they come forth from the scripture and with the scripture's authority. Now, he goes on. Here we are on high ground where at best we can hope to see in part. Here is subject matter which the entire breath of human intellect could never grasp. I have been studying the gospel for years and it is glorious and yet it is sometimes disheartening because every time you pass through a door. It opens up into at least seven other doors and it just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. But every time you pass through that door, you catch a greater glimpse of Christ. And if you're a minister of Christ and if you love God's people, you not only savor that vision of Christ in his word, but you can't wait to write it down and run back to God's people and tell them of a new discovery you've made in Christ, in the scriptures. Here is subject matter which is which the entire breath of human intellect could never grasp. That is until we cease to see through a glass darkly and come to know even as we are known, as we enjoy God without limit. Sometimes I think I've said this before, sometimes students will ask me, they'll go, when I get to heaven, will I know everything? And I said, well, you'll you'll know more than you do now. And what we do know will be a perfect knowledge. But we're talking about the glorified saint. He is still an infinite. He's still a finite creature. Who is beholding an infinite God and the glory, the wonder of heaven is that throughout eternity, a thousand eternities, we will still not have exhausted the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ every day, a new discovery, exponentially growing in our knowledge of the glory and beauty and majesty of Christ. And yet never having to fear that one day will come to the end. <laughs> You'll will never come to the end. Eternal life begins the moment that you are saved. And it's a race. You say, yes, a race toward godliness. Yes, of course, a race towards usefulness. Yes, of course. But above all of that, it is a race to see him. A race to see him. Do you see that? And only those who see him. Can make him known. There is little need for our denying our deep ignorance and shame of sloth. When the same apostle in the epistle admits that if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. I just want to focus in on. He says two things. 
There is little need of our denying our deep ignorance and shame of sloth. Um, when I first started, I didn't start out with the Puritans or the Reformers. I didn't go to that kind of school. I wish I had. Um, I, I remember reading and thinking, I'm, I know nothing. And when I'm talking about knowing, don't falsely accuse me. I'm not saying what you may think I'm saying. I'm not talking about just growing in intellect. I'm talking about growing in the knowledge of Christ, understanding the great truths of Christ. And as I read so many men, I began to realize the bar is high and I need to run. I need to run. And, and also, I lamented the fact of, of my slothfulness, of, of being so busy in ministry. And yet I should have been more busy in knowing Christ so that my ministry would have been more effective. Sometimes I, I laugh with a friend of mine. I'll, I'll point him to, to John Owen or some such writer or Boston or Brooks. And um, I go, do you realize they did all this with a duck feather and, a, and some ink in a jar? I couldn't do this in a million years with the finest laptop. Now, that doesn't discourage me. What it does is it tells me I need to press on. The standard today for ministers is so, so low. But we need to reset that standard where it belongs and where some men saw it. And we need to press on. Now, some of you who are listening to this, especially among the ministry, um, group, you will you'll say, yes, I have been slothful and I have tried to break out of my sloth. How can I do it? Well, let me give you a few pointers. Someone told me years ago, you're either spiraling down or spiraling up. And what that means is the more you study God's word, the more you'll want to study God's word, the greater will be your desire and your capacity the more you pray, the more you will want to pray. So even if you're at the bottom of the spiral right this moment. Take the word of God in hand, devote yourself to greater study and then move incrementally higher and higher and higher to reach the goal. Another thing that you need to realize is. If I have and I've attained so little, but if I have attained anything. It has been in part because of my friends, both living and dead. When I read men that have gone before me and see their love for Christ, their, their power to proclaim him, that encourages me to get up out of bed again. Even if I've preached on Sunday and it's been something of a failure, they call me to get out of bed again on Monday and start all over again. Also, not just with my my dead friends. Like like Spurgeon and Flavel and John Gill and and so many Martin Lloyd-Jones. 
not just my dead friends, but also my living ones. I am fortunate to be under very godly elders who watch over my life. I am fortunate to be around godly Christians, laymen who have a passion for Christ. I need the church. You need the church, but not church as a place you go on Sunday to look at orchestrated music and a sermon and then you go to eat. I'm talking the church as as something organic, as a living body. I need the people of God. I need the ministers of God. And when I see them, those who have walked longer and higher with Christ, they call me out of my slumber and out of my sloth to, to seek him more. Well, we've gone on a little long with this, but we're doing John Owen. So whenever you're doing John Owen, you're going to go long. Um, but he's worth it. I hope this has been a help to you. And I hope also it helps you see this is why we read old books. God bless you.